Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the experience of renting a home is turning into the plot of like a sci-fi dystopian movie where all your favorite characters are replaced by robots. Like no more landlords, just automated systems. Robot landlords is a reality now for some renters in Pittsburgh, but is it a good thing? I'm with journalist Nick Kepler to find out. It's Wednesday, January 4th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Nick, you're based in Pittsburgh, and you recently toured one of these, like, contactless apartments. So to me, it sounds nice, you know, not having to interact with any landlords. But what was your experience like? Sure. Uh, well, I went to an apartment that's owned by a company called Imagine Homes. Uh, they're one of the Wall Street-backed firms that's rapidly buying up houses across the U.S. Hmm. And uh, they specialize in Rust Belt cities, so Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, St. Louis. I went to the house. Um, it was just one of those typical miniature row houses in Lawrenceville. And um, I had to show my face to this portal on their website to ensure I look like the person who uploaded their passport earlier. <laughs> and then as soon as it figured out that I was who I said I was, I got a little key code and I could key code in uh, just to look at this apartment. This is how they rent them out. Um, nobody shows you it. So the showing is just you showing up and there's no there was no like person to do a walkthrough with you. It was just kind of like, here's the code. And that and that was it. That was it. Um, I even feel a little bit bad because my shoes were all muddy and there was nothing to wipe them on. <laughs> the whole experience was kind of ghostly. I walked around. No one was there. There were new looking appliances, sort of freshly painted bedrooms, all the things you expect when you look at a property that was just renovated by a new owner. The strangest thing is that when you go into the basement, there's the only bathroom in the house, which has been constructed around the Pittsburgh toilet. Like there's a shower, a sink, and an everything. Yeah. Uh, but your sole toilet is in the basement, and it's that horrifying uh, Pittsburgh toilet. Yeah, it's kind of gross. It sort of screamed to me that this was an outside investor. Um, because nobody, I think, in the city would expect you to use the Pittsburgh toilet exclusively. In your in your article, you refer to these investors and and these landlords as robot landlords, but we're not we're not talking about like you know a physical robot, right? Yeah, um, a robot landlord is um, essentially a company that buys houses en masse, and it's. Uh, sort of a new phenomenon that you have Wall Street-backed companies buying massive amounts of houses across the United States. Yeah. And then they use automation for just about everything. When did that trend kind of pick up? I feel like I started hearing about um, houses being bought up by companies like this, like during the pandemic. There are two important developments. The first is the 2008 financial crash. So suddenly you had massive amounts of foreclosed houses that were available. And also um, just our data tracking got a lot better. So companies mm. could start buying these heat maps of foreclosed upon houses. And that changed everything because to um, be a landlord, you used to have to know the local market pretty well to figure out if a house was a good investment or not. You had to physically be on the ground to show it. Um, you had to be there to at least oversee repairs and maintenance. And with uh, mobile technology, with so many things being automated, you no longer have to be in the city where you own a house to 
at a rental house. So before 2011, no one in the United States owned more than a thousand uh, single family rental homes. Yeah. It was kind of a local thing. But um, after the 2008 crisis, you saw the development of these giant companies that owned thousands. I mean, the largest invitation homes owns uh, 80,000. There's one called American Homes for Rent that owns 52,000. Um, that was founded by somebody who used to own a lot of self-storage yeah. uh, companies. And I guess he could figure out a way to store people. <laughs> Very few of these companies have like leasing offices in the cities where they are. Yeah. Like the largest ones Invitation Homes does, but most of them don't. So they're relying on these automated processes. So you don't have a key in a lot of these places. You have a key code. You pay your rent through a portal. If there's ever a maintenance issue, you sort of put it through a portal and they send someone uh, to fix it if it's significant enough. So is it more accurate to call them like automated landlords than like robot landlords? Yeah, robot landlord makes a better headline, but um, automated would probably also describe them very well. And um, for many people, I think particularly millennials and Generation Z who are used to doing everything online, like buying shoes online, booking flights online, dating online, sort of (laughs) looking for a house online and going through the whole process, the walkthrough, the application online. Uh, seems pretty appealing. And I think um, landlords are kind of a class of people that we wouldn't mind seeing technology replace some of us. I don't know. I've had some good landlords, some bad ones in my time. But uh, there are some concerning things about the whole trend of um, automated landlords and these massive grabs of houses from um, Wall Street companies. Yeah, what are some of those concerns? One thing that's concerning is that the houses that they want are also the houses that would make good starter homes. Mm. They want these houses that are about a thousand square feet and they want them um they don't want that they don't want to buy houses in places that have a lot of problems with poverty or a high poverty rate, but they are looking for places where people are earning a reliable income sort of as a demographic and maybe are not earning enough to own a house. Uh, so if you think about these houses, they cost like about 100000 200000 These are the houses that if you're young and you can scrape together enough for a down payment that you're going to be buying. So you have um, these massive Wall Street firms who are now competing with sort of the smallest kind of new homeowners. Um, they often offer terms that the people who are selling these homes can't refuse. Yeah. And I talked to one person in in Cincinnati who would put his um, house up for sale. He described it as sort of this cookie cutter, two bedroom working class home. And within a few hours of him putting it up for sale, one of these companies, Imagine Homes, which I mentioned, had put in a cash offer for it. And it was about 10% more than what he wanted or what he had asked for. And they agreed to waive the inspection fee. So if you're just sort of a person looking for a house, um, you're probably not going to be able to put up that kind of money, agree to those kinds of conditions. So um, yeah, these companies are able to buy houses really quickly and buy them for rates that, you know, people couldn't compete with. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. 
Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. What's behind the trend? Because to not have interaction with anyone feels like I would own the home. Not that I'm renting. Some of them do sell it on. um, So Invitation Homes tries to sell it on experiencing the homeowner lifestyle. Hmm. Uh, That was part of their marketing for a while. So you, I guess, have a yard that you take the dog out into and you have hedges you have to clip, but you don't actually own the home. They are, they do have these sort of millennial centric pitch campaigns and marketing campaigns. And, but incidentally, we're also a generation that often can't afford a house. Houses are becoming more expensive. Yeah. Um, more and more people are being priced out of homeownership. There was one poll that showed 61% of people couldn't afford a house in the city they lived in. Wow. Yeah. It is a bit frightening when you do have these wall street uh, landlords buying so many houses what are some of the typical tasks that landlords do that are being outsourced by these automated systems? I mean, step by step, everything a landlord does is being automated by these large companies. So you go to the house, you do a self-guided tour. When you're um, applying for the house, you do that online. Um, you're not going to talk to anyone in your city. That may be a bit concerning to some people because, you know, personally speaking, I'm self-employed. So every time I've needed to rent a house or rent a new apartment, I've sort of had to explain to the landlord that I don't have your typical uh, pay stub, that if you wanted to know my income, you could look at last year's taxes, but it's not. Right. Yeah. So sometimes you have to have a little conversation about your situation. You can't really do that with these um, larger companies. And then, um, yeah, basically everything. You could move in without ever speaking to somebody. You could live there for several years without ever speaking to anyone who works at the company one-on-one. Um, you pay your rent through a portal. Uh, for maintenance issues, you sort of put it in a queue and they assign somebody to come out and take care of it. And in some cases, there's some companies that try to work around ever having to send someone out, like First Key Homes, which owns 24,000 houses. They basically tell tenants that they're responsible for any repair that's less than $100. Yeah. For a while, Invitation Homes had little, had a blog where it showed you how to fix common things in the house. Some people who I talked to had who had lived in these homes owned by the robot landlords, uh, they did give me some horror stories of waiting a very long time for repairs. Yeah. Of um, sort of confusion as to who's supposed to cut the grass. So they just try to maximize profits and minimize effort that they have to put in. I guess what's what's lost when you, I mean, aside from human interaction um, and also the ability to buy one of the, you know, a starter home, what's lost when you outsource these small homes to robot landlords? Well, one thing that's true is these um, companies do have higher eviction rates than your usual landlords. There was one oh. study of uh, Fulton County in Georgia which found that they evict people at three times uh, the rate than your usual landlords. Um, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence online of sort of the eviction process being started by one late payment. You know, usually if you have a landlord and you have a late payment, you're at least able to talk to that person. Who knows how receptive they're going to be if you're having money troubles. Right. But with these robot landlords, the eviction process is as automated as everything else. 
Um, so that's one thing that's that's definitely lost. Nick, have you reached out to any of these companies? What do they have to say? Yeah, I think their response to journalists seemed a little bit uh, slow and automated too. Um, yeah, I sent a few questions to Invitation Homes, yeah. which is the largest owner of single family rental homes in the U.S. They sent me back some boilerplate stuff about how their tenants like them and how they're mm. dedicated to the most efficient experience possible. Da 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 da. It wasn't um, really much you could do with, but I guess they yeah. um, didn't want to, you know. It's sort of hard to talk to people at these companies. And that the one I sort of focus on in the story, Imagine Homes, didn't get back to me. They're the mysterious company that backs them. This um, investment firm did not get back to me. But that's, yeah, that happens in the world of journalism. Makes me wonder if there are even employees uh, at some of these places working or if it's just a series of computers and... I mean, I, I did talk to several people who rented from um, Imagine Homes, which again is a small one, but is very active in in Pittsburgh and other Midwestern cities. And yeah, what did, what did they say? Would they would they rent from rent from a robot landlord again? And if they if they had to do it all over again, I'd say generally a lot of them had problems with maintenance and maintenance issues. Hmm. I talked to one person who rented on the south side from Imagine Homes. I mean, she said that she loved it. I talked to somebody who rented outside the city who had to move very quickly for a job. And because this whole process was so fast, um, she wound up in one of these homes. And eventually she just decided that this is not what people in this town full of, you know, grandmas would pay and decided to not renew her lease. So people have had different experience, but I'd say most commonly people who are younger really liked the automated process for moving in but once there was something difficult once there was um you know a maintenance issue it was hard to get somebody out there in, in a timely way nick kepler is a freelance writer based in pittsburgh his recent article for vice is called robot landlords are buying up houses we'll drop a link in our show notes thank you so much for joining us today nick thank you morgan A little more news before you go. Support has been pouring in for DeMar Hamlin after he suffered a cardiac arrest during Monday night's football game. DeMar plays for the Bills now, but he's from McKees Rocks and he went to Central Catholic. He also played at Pitt. Back in 2020, he started a GoFundMe that initially was set up to help support a toy drive in his hometown. But since Monday night, that GoFundMe has received millions of dollars in donations. So we are wishing DeMar a full recovery. And a new inclusive space for queer youth opened on the North Side. Nonprofits Proud Haven and Trans Uniting joined together to create the Community Center. That's what a cue. Teens can find hygiene products, books, food, and gender affirming clothing there. The center will host events like yoga and ballroom competitions. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, you know, leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Ooh, my hand is itching. I'm, I'm about to get some money.